This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're going to be talking gardening. You know, gardening don't care who your mom and them are. We don't care. We don't care if you're a horticulturist or a garden club or a master garden. Don't care if you're, you know, just get, don't don't know how to pronounce the Latin name for monkey grass. Is it liriope or is it riope? Is it liriope? Who cares? It's monkey grass, okay? And that's the approach I use. You want to get real scientific? I can make your eyes bleed with stupid detail. But if you just want to knock around the yard, have a good time, try to figure something out what went wrong what can i do uh how what do you think about this i'll give you an informed educated mediocre gardening perspective and uh, that's that's what i do don't try to sell you anything um and i'm frequently not completely correct on stuff and people will call up or email and help me out and i'm okay with that i'm all right with that because we're all in this together even though i say we're all in this together gardening is in the end, a solitary thing. It's like fishing. You know, you can go fishing with somebody, but you got to hold your own rod and reel, you know, that or your, or your own cane pole. And uh, so if you've got some things you want to talk about that uh, somebody else in your life may not understand, call them when they're not around. You know, let's talk about it. <laughs> anyway, I did bring some stuff in to talk about. I've got a cheesy tune. So, so a happy, upbeat uh, tune. And um, a couple of anecdotes to share with you. But this is a call-in program. It's a live program here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. If you're listening uh, live, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, that's great. If you're listening uh, on podcasts, shoot me an email sometime, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, we did have a little glitch with the uh, with the, the online, got a new computer system set up, and for some reason, a lot of the emails sent to, to this were not automatically forwarded to me, but we got that worked out now. And I've been getting so many emails from my newspaper columns and and uh, my other stuff that I do that uh, so much slipped through. So anyway, I'm catching up on it. But if you've got something you want to talk about this morning, this beautiful, beautiful uh, f- first weekend, I really, this, yeah, the first full weekend in November, we'll sure talk about it. Uh, the plants I brought in today to talk about are, uh, as usual, I've got something edible. I've got an heirloom plant, and I've got a native plant. Actually, I've got some that are, that are crossovers. Um, the native plants, I p- came in this morning. I walk in. It's a couple of miles, and most of it through residential or wooded area. A little bit is along the uh, jungle, uh, uh, concrete jungle. But uh, there's a persimmon tree I've been keeping my eye on, a native persimmon tree, female, that, that makes the fruits. I don't know where the male is. must be in the woods nearby. But anyway, the persimmon leaves have all fallen off, and I can see the persimmons. And so I grabbed a couple of them because I know if I don't, the possums will get them because possums can see them now. It feels squishy. It feels right. I'm not going to bite into it because until it's fully mature and starting to soften, it can be pretty astringent. But anyway, native persimmons are awful pretty, little pumpkin-colored things. But I also brought in uh, what I thought was going to be my pride and joy. You know, Java, I love to talk about gardening. I'm not going to – don't want to stretch this point, but I wrote the book. Yeah, you – Dirty something. <laughs> I wrote one called Growing Fruits, Vegetables, and, and uh, Herbs in Mississippi. 
co-wrote it for Georgia and Alabama and Louisiana. Me and a guy named Walter Reeves from from uh, Georgia co-wrote these books for South. Anyway, I planted tomato plant this year. Usually I'm gone in the summer over in England, but I planted some this year, and I chose an heirloom called Lemon Boy. Pretty little, more yellow than orange, sweet as a peach. Unbelievable. Okay, okay. And I actually made some. They're not big, but they're real sweet. The problem is, if you look at it from this side, it looks great. Yeah. You look at it from the other side... <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Uh, this is the, a lot of heirloom varieties are prone to what they call cracking, fruit, fruit cracking. You know, they they get mature and a little bit of rain comes along and it swells them up and they split. But uh, but anyway, this is what I would call. Can I say butt ugly on MPB? I was going to ask you, is it still good? Oh yeah, yeah. You just okay. actually, you know, just have to, to, you know, have to to cut the crevasses off. We we'll have to take a picture so everybody can know what we're talking about because it looks like from one side is it, it is it is perfect. On the other side, it's Ooh. like, do I want to eat this? Yeah. Well, but here, but I'm a I'm a horticulture expert, and I'm saying this is as good as I can do. Well, <laughs> well you know, it doesn't have to look pretty as long Thank as it you. tastes. Thank you. Thank you. That that's that's my hope. But anyway. Uh, fruit cracking. Anyway, that's my heirloom and my edible. Uh, Lemon Boy It's a small tomato, but really, really sweet. Sweet, sweet. If you like the sweetness, if you like a tart tomato, it's not for you. Uh, The other plants, uh, and again, folks, you want to give us a call, we've got the lines wide open. It's a good chance to chat about stuff. I know some people, a lot of anxiety out there right now, but for this hour, we're talking about gardening. Well, we do have to mention, though, uh, because we were just talking about it, on October 31st, last Saturday, your truck made a special appearance <laughs> all across the state of Mississippi. It was on the front page of the Clarion Ledger, and the guy who took the picture didn't know who I am. They just said a Jackson resident. Was out here supporting the now um, overwhelmingly supported uh, In God We Trust flag. Yeah, with the Magnolia flower on it, which I, I you know, I'd lobbied the, the flag commission about that. But uh, anyway, no, it... it uh, 800,000 people said, yeah, we'll go with this. But they took a picture of my truck because it's got a bumper sticker saying, you know, vote yes. And I've got one of those big yard signs in the back of the truck in the garden said vote. And the the flag flying right above my truck in my garden. And they just took the picture and they just said a Jackson resident. And I got all the emails and texts said, Felder, do you know your truck? I had no idea. No idea. But uh, anyway, I do appreciate the folks uh, who who supported uh, this and uh, who voted for it. I think it's a pretty flag, and uh, and it'll do. The Magnolia State is represented well. So anyway, there it is. And uh, oh, by the way, the flag. I'm gonna brag just a second. The flag commission when they were voting, uh-huh. they were about to vote. I saw it. Was, I slipped out in the hall and I called the flag store in Jackson and I ordered and flew the very first one. Oh wow! Outside the one they have the old Capitol. Okay. So, uh, and uh, and I would like to mention this: if anybody's interested in getting one of these, there's a flag store in Jackson called the Complete Flag Store, and they sell every kind of flag. They're the main flag outlet in Mississippi. But I paid forty bucks for mine. You can get a good looking three identical to mine online at Amazon for eleven dollars. So if you're interested in flying the the uh, proposed new Mississippi flag, that has been voted on. Uh, 11 bucks at Amazon. 
I'm just saying. I'm not selling flags, and I don't get a kickback. But uh, anyway, give us a call, folks, one eight seven seven mpb ring Oh, by the way, you want my, my, uh, my horticultural joke of the day, my bad joke of the day? Go ahead. Oh, you want me to save it for later? <laughs> hey, you set you you set it up. Wait, wait. No, let's save it for later, and I'll get the rim shot ready. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I get the rim shot ready for this. Okay. Hey, the uh, the the native plant, the wildflower that I want to talk about, not just the persimmon. I've got this uh, little plant that you see along the roadside and the edge of woods and fields that that blooms this time of year. A lot of people call it wild azuratum. It's a really pretty lavender purple. It's uh, it's lavender, tiny little frilly flower. Uh, f- uh, clusters of these frilly flowers. Uh, a lot of people, again, wild azuratum, because it looks like an azuratum plant, uh, but it's called blue mist flower. Mist, like a little mist. Blue mist flower. It's a native plant, hardy perennial, and when it blooms, it is. it has more butterflies and bees and the little hoverflies and all the little pollinators than any other plant out there. It blooms after goldenrod. You know, there's some overlap, but the blue mist flower or wild azuratum is one of the showiest uh, early mid-fall wildflowers we have, hardy perennial. But the one I really want to talk about is a white mist flower that I brought from a place I found in Texas. It looks like the blue mist flower, but it's more of a subshrub. It doesn't die down. It's not a bush, but it doesn't die down completely in the wintertime. But it looks just like the blue one is bigger and it's white. Uh, and the white mist flower has more butterflies and pollinators in my garden than the blue mist flower, which is normally the, the popular one. Anyway, these are great additions to the garden. They bloom well with other fall bloomers. There's an old heirloom plant that's called uh, Clara Curtis chrysanthemum. Some people call her country girls, uh, sort of pinkish, lavenderish, but more pinkish, uh, big flower. Uh, I can't put my, it would barely fit inside a coffee cup. Hardy, grows in cemeteries, grows under crepe myrtle trees, sun or shade, blooms all over the south, grows as far north as, as Canada and as far south as, as uh, Florida. But the one called Clara Curtis, or Country Girl's Mom, has been a pass-along plant since it first introduced in the 1930s. The reason I mention that because a friend of mine named Russell Studebaker from up in Tulsa has been hybridizing and, and growing seedlings, and he has one that's, that's a rusty red color. And I've got it and several others of these that I'm trying to get into commercial production. But between the mist flowers, the white and blue mist flowers, the Clara Curtis and what I'm calling a Russell's Russet, uh, these uh, these hardy chrysanthemums, um, and the, my yellow tomato and the orange uh, persimmons, I got some color going on out there without a whole but no care really to speak of. So anyway, that's my stuff for today. That's my stuff. Now it's time for your stuff. Give us a call. Got a couple of callers coming in, but we got four lines we can open up. Give us a call at toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take phone calls. Got a cheesy joke. Got some cheesy music coming up. And... Um, we can take it from there. I don't sell anything, folks. Give me a call. Let's talk about it. And if if you got problems, I can commiserate with you because I got them too. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this.
contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself? Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. All right, folks, welcome back. Java, I'm arranging these little things I brought in today by my MPB cup, my coffee cup, my dirty coffee cup. And uh, and we'll post a picture of it for our podcast, right? Let's do it. All righty, no problem at all. Uh, folks, love to chat with you about gardening. We're going to start out this morning with Melvin from Enterprise. Hey, Melvin, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Can you hear me? So, yeah, what's up? Hey, man, I hear you talking about the sinners, and I was wondering... Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, I, I do a lot of holistic stuff, and I was wondering, if, is, is there anything about the persimmon that has any holistic properties uh, when it comes down to medicinal properties? Oh yeah, yeah, yes, there are, but it, it, but you gonna have to Google. It. The reason why, you know, for for decades now, I've been doing this program. I don't get into medicinal stuff for 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 legal reasons. You know, yeah, yeah you know, and there are some. If you Google it, you'd be surprised at all the stuff there. But I just I don't talk about edible wild mushrooms. I don't talk about medicinal uh, uh, plants because of legal reasons. I'm not a medical okay. doctor. Okay, but, let me ask you. I got one more question. Uh, what is it about the persimmon? Uh, because my wife said she had a green one one time, and it, it makes her mouth grow real tight. What, what is it about it that uh, that that makes that? You know, the, you know that is a that is a real good question. Uh, you know, it's astringent, and I'm not sure what the I, I'm not sure what the the physical mechanism is, but I will look that up. That is a I mean I've been talking about this for 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 most of my life, but I in from a plant physiology point of view, it'll be easy for me to find out, and I'll be glad to find out for both of us. Okay, good luck on it, man. And be, be sure to Google it. You'll be really surprised. But I will tell you something unusual about persimmons, and because this is not a medicinal thing, you know, you could take the seed of a persimmon and hold it, pair of pliers, and split it, you know, right down the middle, like half in two, like, you know, two halves of a, of a peanut. And the little embryo inside, the embryo inside is shaped like a knife, a spoon, or a fork. And that's supposed to predict what kind of winter we've got coming up. <laughs> Google that too. Knife, spoon, or fork predicting predict the winter in a persimmon seed. <laughs> okay, and I'll find out for both of us about the mechanism for the astringency. Okay, thank you. You bet. Good luck on it, Melvin. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you, Java? That's a lot of things I don't expect on the show. Yeah, but if you look at the embryo of a, you know, the the little middle part of a seed, split it's hard to split. You know, you're gonna cut it with a knife. You better hold it with some pliers because it's hard. But it's shaped like a knife or spoon. The knife is supposed to be cutting cold. The spoon is supposed to be. Uh, the fork is supposed to be fluffy snow. The spoon is supposed to be wet snow. You know, it's one of those kind of things. So why do we do that? Why don't we do that instead of the groundhog? I don't know. Well, because because <laughs> we don't have groundhogs. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe up in North Mississippi. Hey, let's uh, let's slide, let's talk to to, uh, to Ibit calling from Jackson. Good morning. Good morning. This is Hibbit. Hibbit, howdy. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was using a, that uh, Lancashire uh, accent, Ibit. Yeah. Okay. There you go. What's up? Love your show, fella. Thank uh, you. I I have uh, I have two. I have s- several. Hibiscus and plumeria that uh-huh. are breaking in the wintertime. They've grown so large 
that I can barely get them in the garage. Yeah. Uh, can I prune them, and then how do I take care of them in the wintertime? Yeah, you you can you can prune them easily, and you can prune them hard. Uh, of course, you know the the uh, the plumeria normally drops its leaves this time of year. It drops its leaves early anyway, and you just simply don't water as much. They like to go through a dry spell uh, over the winter time, so don't keep it wet. It's going to drop its leaves no matter what you do, and don't be tempted to revive it with water. And the next late next winter, start leafing out again, start watering it again, a little fertilizer, and put it out when you can. But hibiscus, weeping figs, rubber trees, these plants, the tropical plants we keep inside that you normally bring in, first of all, they get big. But second of all, the leaves that are grown outside aren't adapted for indoors, and so they shed. That's a, that's a normal, natural thing. And since you know they're going to shed anyway, they're too big, just simply prune it back. Before you bring it in, clean it up real good, and it'll put out all new growth over the wintertime that's adapted to the lower light, lower humidity of indoors. And what I do is I prune mine hard to bring them in, not a leaf left on them. And then in the springtime, I prune them to put them back out because those indoor leaves are going to scorch outside. But anyway, prune the bigger plants back, clean them up, bring them in, and they'll do fine. Great. Thanks for the advice. Okay. You know, there ain't any hurry. We're, we're at the date for our for our average first frost, but it looks like we're not going to have it for a while. So, you know, the main thing is, is um, you know, start getting ready. If you don't start getting ready ahead of time, if you do like me and drag them at the last minute, you're bringing every fire ant, every lizard, every everything else in, in, in the potting soil possible. So you might want to water it really good a couple of three times pretty close to drive anything that's in the potting soil out and shoo them off into the bushes before you bring them in. Good. We'll enjoy the flowers a few more days. Oh, yeah, we got plenty. Of time. And f- f- if we get us, a, you know, even a light frost, just bring them in overnight because it typically warms up, and you can enjoy these things outdoors p- after the first frost and just, just worry about that first hard freeze. Great. Great advice, Felder. Okay, Hibbett, good to hear from you. You too. Okay, now we've got, uh, it says Anna, Anna, and I'm not sure, it says 95 years old, but we're supposed to talk about that, or are you really proud of it? I'm surprised that it's <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I would have thought it. That's right. You know, too bad me and Java got our masks on up here, because we, we had a big enough smile to fill up Texas. <laughs> What's going on? What's up? Well, i tell you what, I got a question. Uh, I soaked my feet. I'm not 95 years old. Soaked my feet in Epsom salt, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they use the the water from my plants outside. Yeah. Does that help my plants? And what if so? What does it do? Well, Epsom, Epsom salts is uh is I want to say it's magnesium. I'm pretty sure it's magnesium. I can't remember magnesium sulfate or something like that. That's right. That's you know, right. It, it's a micronutrient. It helps green plants be greener. It's not necessary in regular dirt because we have plenty of magnesium in most of our soils. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, if you got a sandy soil, you might not have it, but it'll make gr- it'll green plants up a little bit. The problem is it's easy to overdo it. It's water soluble, so you can pour it around plants and then. Uh, the next time I pour it around different plants, and after a rain or so, you could put it around the first plant. In other words, don't keep it dumping it on. I don't know how often you soak your feet, but yeah. don't pour it on the same plants over and over and over. Spread it around a little bit, and yeah. it does help green them up. Okay. 
that's helpful information. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me ask let me ask you this: What's been your favorite flower? Oh, we have so many. My no, no, no. What's your favorite? Oh, I think you're a magnolia. <laughs> it is a good one, you know, and it's celebrated. Uh, I've seen it on five continents. Our native southern magnolia, it's all over. It, it, right. It's, it's more, probably as recognizable as a rose. The reason I say that is because I'm looking forward to the flag. Well, I do appreciate that. It's it's been a lot of fun, and and I've got one uh, flying on my truck. I'm so proud right. of it. Anyway, thank you so much, Anna. Let let, let me know how your feet do. Okay, hope it get better, but thank you so much. Okay, sweetheart. Enjoy your program so much. Thank you so much. All righty, Anna, she wants to throw her foot wash water on her plants. Is it okay? Yes, ma'am. Yes, it is. Um, Let me see now. We've got Cheryl calling from, is this Ohio? Yes, it is. What part of Ohio? Because part of it is really right across the river from West Virginia. No, no, Northwest Ohio, up by Toledo. Okay, Toledo. Been up there, and um, mm-hmm. so what, what's going on up there? You, you've you've had well, some cold weather, haven't you? A little bit, but gosh, it's. I, I was listening to the temperatures on my MPB app a little while ago, and our temperatures here in the next few days are going to be in the seventies, which is very unusual. What, what, what is somebody in Ohio listening to MPB for? Because I'm from Hattiesburg. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Southern, a, a, a piney woods gal moved up north. Absolutely. But <laughs> what I wanted to ask you was, do you know a guy by the name of Fred Howard? He's known as the Ohio Nurseryman. He travels all over, kind of like you do, and he's got a radio show up here in a very small market. But I was just wondering if you had ever heard of him. I, I have. Matter of fact, he and I have been on the same program before, but on two different days. And I, I met oh, him. Okay. I met him briefly. It's been oh gosh, four or five years or so ago. I, I I actually do a good number of lectures in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Illinois and Indiana, but, but you know, oddball stuff. And uh, but I'm, I think I met him briefly at a speaker's uh, reception. But we spoke on uh-huh. different days. I haven't heard him. But is he? Well, y'all remind me a lot of each other. You just give good, sound advice, and you're not trying to sell anything. And I wanted to tell you, you might want to follow suit. A few years ago, he gave a tour of his his property. He invited people, his listening audience, down to Columbus, where he lived, mm-hmm. for a tour of his property, and it was really interesting. Uh, that I couldn't do that. My yard is so small. My yard when I park my pickup truck and my Jeep nose to nose in front of my house is <laughs> it fits exactly between my driveway and the neighbor's driveway. My my yard is just wide enough for two vehicles to be parked in front of. It's a tiny oh, and it's so full of plants. If you get more than three or four people in there you can't you know, it's all it's all elbows. Well, he has a very small yard too, but it's a little bigger than yours. Well what what we I'm about our winners. Excuse me? Uh, what I'm about to do uh, is, is put a little series uh, about my garden on my blog. And by the way, HGTV uh, has a, a thing on there uh, uh, that shows lots of different shots of my garden uh, on their online thing. The, the really? HG, oh. HG, HGTV hey. online. I was their uh, original Q&A guy. But anyway, HGTV, if you'll Google uh, fell a rushing yard or something like that, it'll come up. But I'm going to put all oh, that on my blog that. real soon. 
I'll do that. We spend our winters down in Bay St. Louis, but I still listen to you. I listen to you year-round. If I don't catch you on Friday morning, okay. I listen uh, to your podcast. Well, Enjoy uh, you very much. Java just told me that, that, that we'll put a link on it on today's podcast. Right. And okay. it's, it's got some Wonderful. fun. It's you know this is a couple of years old. I still had a dog then, but it's still weirder than ever. Okay, wonderful. Nice talking to you. Okay, hunker down. All right. <laughs> okay. See, see you later. Bye-bye. All righty. Now, which line is blinking here? Is it number? Uh, it's number one. We're gonna oh, take Gary from Oxford, and then we're gonna take our cheesy tune break. Okay, Gary, what's going on, man? Good morning, sir. Howdy. I uh, got a couple of questions for you. Uh, I'm a victim of getting all those catalogs in order and stuff. Oh, boy. And they're going to come in later. You remember the uh, Sears and Roebuck catalog? We used to, to circle the stuff we wanted for Christmas. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> exactly. Well, what, what, you, what, you, what you, you know, and the paper's too slick to really mulch with, but what can I help you with? Well, uh, uh, I have some Rudbeckia that came in. And I was thinking, well, do I need to put that out in the yard or do I need to put that? into a pot and you know is it okay to plant it right now yeah yeah yes the answer is yes plant it when there's two main kinds of there's a whole bunch of different kinds of rudbeckia but the two main kind one is the one that you see along the roadsides in the spring uh Mm -hmm. it's rudbeckia herta h-i-r-t-a just black-eyed susan and it's the one that comes up from seed every fall goes over the winter blooms in the spring sets seeds and then dies and that one needs cold weather. It it really has to have cold weather over the wintertime. Uh, so it's Rudbeckia, H-I-R-T-A. The other is a perennial, and that's probably the one you got. It's a spreading, right. low-growing perennial, uh, Rudbeckia uh, Goldsturm. Anyway, it's a perennial one. It blooms in the summer, uh, sometimes repeats uh, into the fall. But it's a spreading kind of ground cover, and it also really likes to be outside all the time. It grows outside in Ohio. Okay, so, so if okay, go ahead and stick it in the ground. Yeah, if it's for, now, water it really good. Did it come in little pots or something? Uh, yeah, one of those uh, corn, corn, uh, coconut husks kind of Yeah, thing. yeah. Go in, water it really good uh, 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 a few hours a day ahead of time, and then when you repot it, when you plant it, loosen the potting soil and the roots as much as you can without boogering it up too much. Stir that into your soil because it grows better in dirt than in potting soil, but the combination is best. Main thing is loosen it up so it's not potting soil and then dirt. Plant a mixture of the two, and it'll do fine. It's extremely, extremely drought tolerant. It doesn't need any water to speak of. All right, well, I've got one more question, mm-hmm. and that's uh, Laura Petzl. Mine is looking like Einstein's hair right now. <laughs> you haven't seen my hair. Einstein was neatnik. <laughs> yeah, and yours is probably blooming right now. Well, they did have a little bit of bloom on them. Yeah. So I was wondering about, if, you know, so as not to mess up the spring bloom. Is it time to prune, or is it time to leave them alone? I I, I wouldn't prune anything hard in in the fall. Um, that that blooms in the spring. What you can do is sort of shape it up and neaten it up if you want to. If you got some wayward branches, you know, thin out some uh-huh. of the scraggly stuff. But uh, the best time to prune that is even though they're still blooming uh, in the spring after they mit- f- do their first flush of blooms. You know, do you have more than one? 
I do. I have two of them. Well, what I would do is uh, is when they're when they're both blooming in the spring after after they sort of finish, cut one of them back and enjoy the one that's still blooming, and then by the time the next one, the one you cut back comes out, then you can cut the other one because you can prune it pretty much mid late spring into the summer without affecting the flowers. All right. Sounds good. Einstein's going to get to hang around a little longer. <laughs> okay. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for your call. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All righty, folks. we got a couple of other callers, but we're going to take a, a little short break. Let me catch my wind, refresh my coffee. Take this picture I've got of Clara Curtis and Russell's russet chrysanthemum. My ugly, ugly tomato. Gosh, it, it, I just hate to look at it. But i got to be honest, I'm going to show you a picture of it, show you what a horticulturist can do. My persimmon and then both the blue and the white mist flower, our wildflower of the week. Uh, we're going to take a break. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, Java Chapman, my awesome producer, Liz Gill, also a producer, but she's the phone greeter today. Folks here at MPB love opening this garden party. During the week, we have uh, Fix It 101. We've got Southern food. We've got food. We've got animals. We've got medical stuff. We've got uh, car stuff. All sorts of things here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener after a little happy tune. A happy tune for people who are kind of freaked out right now. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. We're going to jump right in because we've had a lady hanging on for a long time. Kathy, you are on the road. What's what's up? Hey, how are y'all this morning? So far, so good. You sound awful good. cheerful. 
Oh, well, I enjoy listening to your show. It's uplifting. I wish I could. I would love to see you coming through Natchez with that truck. I, 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 One my, day. my truck has been in front of Fat Mama's Tamales more than you can shake a stick at. Well, I'll be looking for it. Okay. I found an email of a picture. I hope y'all received it. It's a plant that I have on my aunt's front porch. Uh-huh. Well, it's actually two plants in there. Did you, did you get it? Oh, Java's calling it up. I, I don't have access to it here on my phone, but uh, Java said he's going to call it up, and I'll take a look at it at a break. Well, you got a question about it? Or yes, just... I wanted to know the name of the two of them. That one that's purple, It's uh, I think it's a kind of well-known, but I don't know the name of either one. But the, the green one that comes up, it has the shoots that come out like fighters, and then it's several of them that – that's around it at the bottom, and I just pull them off and put in, put them in dirt. Okay, and, it, it grows in. Does it send out a lot of runners with little plants on the ends of it? Yes. Is, is it green and white striped? It's green. It's all green. Okay, there's a green one and a striped one. That's probably called airplane plant. Some people call it spider plant, spider plant or airplane plant. And uh, I grow it too. Um, but a matter of fact, it can make it over a mild winter outside if you're careful, if it's in a protected spot. Oh, okay, because I have, I have two of those outside in big pots. And then they have a one part that grows up that's like a, you know, comes up on a long stick part, and it sometimes has a little flower that comes every once in a while with that. With, with that. So that's called a green, like a spider plant, you said? Well, yeah, uh, Jarvis, hang on, he, he just sent me a text message with a picture of it. Uh, here we go. Let me see here. Yep, that's a spider plant. That's a spider plant. Actually, you have, you have, is, you have uh-huh. two plants in there. Yes, yes, because I want to know about the purple <laughs> one, too. Okay. The purple one, a lot of people call it uh, purple cane, you know, that purple, purple cane. cane. That's just sort of, it sort of looks like a cane. They call it purple wandering Jew, and it's also called uh, purple heart. If you wanted to look it up, purple heart. It's in the same family as a wandering Jew plant that, that makes such a, a nice hanging basket. Uh, no. And I tell you, somewhere, I can't tell the Main Street, you know, if you're going out towards the cemetery uh, there in Natchez, there's mm-hmm. there's a, not on the main road going to the cemetery, but one little bit in, there's a house that's got, that's got uh, 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 steps that are made out of rocks going up there, and they have a lot of this just hanging off their, their walkway all the way to the street. Oh, okay. But, uh, I'll be looking for that. Yeah, Purple Heart. And it'll grow outside, no problem. It grows outside my yard all the time. It'll probably grow better in some dirt than in your pot. Yeah, that's what it is, some in the dirt, too. But it'll it'll die off still in the winter and come back in the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. some, sometimes it'll stay purple all winter. But anyway, the wow. one is called uh, the green airplane or spider plant. The other is Purple Heart. Could he possibly text that back to me in that message? So I'll, uh, since I'm driving, I can't write it down and I'll forget. Please. Sure. And, and then also the purple one, I took that picture and you see the little bloom at the end. Uh-huh, little pink I, thing. I sent a picture of that to a friend and when I went back out the next day, it was gone. Yep. It was just one day. It'll keep coming on. It'll put new ones on all the time. Oh, okay, wonderful. You okay, should, well, you thank should, you. You sure are cheerful this morning. Yeah, I try to be happy. That's the best way. Good, best way. good, good. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Call me anytime. Thank you. All right. All right. Appreciate y'all. Okay, Bye-bye. appreciate it. Yeah, purple cane and uh, airplane or spider plant. Hey, let's talk to Robert. He's also on the road. What's up, Robert? Where are you? I am just south of uh, Hattiesburg. Okay. What's and, up? And uh, I, I have got a home in Olive Branch. 
In my yard, I have a great myrtle that is bright red I'm just crazy about. And I'd like to move that and propagate it to my other house in Foley, Alabama. Yeah. Is, is that possible? When's the best time to do it and how, how to do it? How big is it? Uh, it's just, oh, 10 foot tall. Uh, yeah, if you if you want to dig it up and move it, let's do it sometime this fall or early no, winter. I don't, I don't want to move it now. Oh. I want to stay in all the branch, too. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal. Every crepe myrtle you've seen anywhere, they're all grown exactly the same. They take cuttings about the size of a pencil, about that long and about that big around. Not the little skinny stuff, not the big old thick stuff. Pencil size cuttings. You can get two or three off of each long branch. And they stick them about halfway in some pretty good dirt, some pretty good potting soil in the winter. And okay. then they, 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 so they, the plants that drop their leaves over the, over the winter, like crepe myrtles, uh, things like that, roses, they tend to root better in the winter. Things that keep their leaves tend to root better in the summertime. But anyway, pencil size cuttings. If you got a pretty nice flower bed, some plant that's got some pretty decent dirt, just stick a whole bunch of cuttings in there, and some of them will make. Some of them will make it. Okay, and do that this late this fall, and they should root by this spring. Yeah, what what happens is is they make a little hard knot at the bottom over the wintertime. When they leaf out in the spring, those leaves send food down to the roots. Ain't no roots there, and that little ball thing springs out in the roots. All righty. Thank you so much. Okay, good luck on it. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. You know, I catch a, I catch a lot of flack from my horticulturist friends because I just said a little knot thing, and then it springs out. I'm talking about cellular redifferentiation, okay? I get it. I get the horticulture thing, but basically it makes a little knot that springs out in the roots. <laughs> so anyway, folks, if you want to get real horticulture on me, I can do that. I can do it. But that's not the point. A lot of my peers, a lot of my, my, uh, my garden expert friends, they tend to be all scientific, and only scientific people care about that. By the way, the correct name for liriope, for liriope, for monkey grass is liriope. Because it's the the little river nymph that it was named after, Liriope. But if you say Liriope, you sound a real country. If you say Liriope, you sound like putting on airs. Let's just say monkey grass. Okay. Hey, let's go up to Brandon and talk with Frank. Hey, Frank, how are you this morning? I'm good. I just built three big raised beds in my backyard to grow herbs and vegetables in. Uh Uh-huh. I haven't ordered any dirt for them yet. I was interested in your advice about what kind of dirt to order. Oh uh, well, for, for, do you have bottoms on them, or are they they what what are they sitting on? Dirt. Okay, first and foremost, and and I've been growing stuff in raised beds for thirty forty years. I built a new one this past spring. Dig the dirt you've got. It's going to be hard the first time, but dig the dirt you've already got at least half a shovel's depth. Shovel if you want to, but dig it up, turn it upside down, put the grass on the bottom, and then whatever stuff you buy, mix it with your dirt because real dirt is is good. Potting soil is good. A combination is best. Matter of fact, when I built mine, I actually got some topsoil, some real brown dirt by the bag and mix it in with my compost and bark and stuff. So, you know, part dirt, part organic matter is better than all of one or the other. You'll have a better, deeper garden if it drains into the dirt beneath it. Uh, what I do is I get a mixture of, of topsoil, real dirt. I mean, I don't mean the stuff they call topsoil that looks like bark. It feels like dirt. 
you know, light brown dirt. That plus any kind of organic matter, a little bit of bark to make it sort of like crumbled crackers, and then a little either compost or manure. So dirt, bark, either compost or manure in about the same proportions, and you're not going to have to water a lot and it's not going to dry out as much, but it's not going to stay too wet. Okay, thank and, you. And you you can get those local garden centers, uh, but main thing is some real dirt, some bark, and either compost or manure. All righty, thank you. Okay, good luck on. Hey, it's not going to be easy, but good luck <laughs> on. It. Oh, All let right, me let me throw out one other thing. If you while you're at it, get a little bit of agriculture lime. It doesn't okay. take much. A pound will do 100 square feet, which is 4 by 25. So it doesn't take much at all. Add that to your stuff while you're, while you're working it all together. Okay. Thank you much. Good luck on it. It ain't, ain't going to be fun. <laughs> all righty, folks. Hey, by the way, time for the joke. Um, you know, William Tell, his dad was going to shoot stuff off his head and ran out of apples, so he put a pepper on on his son's head, and he why why couldn't he shoot the pepper off his son's head? Why, Felder? Because he didn't have an arrow. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Hey, folks, you got some bad garden jokes? Keep them clean. Send them to me. Garden at mpbonline dot org. Let's slide up to Startville and see what Rachel's up to. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing today? So far, so good. I'm taking a picture of the ugliest tomato in the state, and I grew it. Well, what is? Why is it ugly? I don't know. You know, I know. I mean, I, what what makes it ugly? Well, first of all, it's a yellow tomato. You know, which uh-huh. doesn't look right to begin with. Birds won't even peck it because it doesn't look right. People won't <laughs> steal it because it doesn't look right. But it's cracked. Oh. The from the top for the stem, it's got four cracks going, and it just looks terrible. We're but, all cracked, Elder. That's right, and but you know, you the bottom part of it is nice and sweet. Uh huh. So, what you got going on? Well, I'm wondering about this uh, disease that had been uh, getting on the crepe myrtles, and so far mine are good, and I haven't heard any talk about it in a while. Uh, what's the status? Well, it's it, most people have always had problems with crepe myrtles getting this black, sticky stuff on the leaves. Okay, right. that's normal. Well, this is on the trunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, but but a lot of people they 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 they're afraid of one when they. It's normal for have aphids that suck sap out of the bottom of the leaves, and their drippings have got dissolved plant sugar, sort of like great oh. myrtle version of, of maple syrup. And this black mold grows on that. It's the same mold that if you leave syrup on your kitchen counter, it'll grow that same black mold. So uh-huh. the black stuff is not the problem. You, it will, it'll rub off or wash off or wear off. But uh-huh. that's normal with the aphids. We have a new insect called crepe myrtle bark scale. They're little, and if you look at it, you can tell they're they're smaller than a BB. They're little tiny white things, oh. and and they'll be you'll you'll see them plain as if you got bark scale, you, you won't be any question about it. lots of little bitty white things on the trunk on the and then crush it on the twigs. They suck sap out of the plant. This is the new insect. They suck sap out uh-huh. of the plant. And there's so many of them, they have a lot of those drippings, and this black stuff gets on everything, the grass, the trunks, everything. And it is a mm. terrible little insect, hard to control. 
Mm-hmm. But anyway, hard look, to get rid of, huh? Yes, it is. Well, you you can. And by the way, I work with Mississippi State. I work with Texas A and M, University of Georgia. I work with the Crate Myrtle Society of America. Between mm-hmm. them, they pretty well know what can be done. And the bottom line oh. is, it probably won't kill your plants. It'll just make them look terrible, and it might make yeah. them where they don't bloom as much. The only control that we know of, and again, the Crate Myrtle Society of America, the only control we know is a temporary fix. It'll last a year or two. There's a there's an insecticide you can put, mix with water and pour on the ground in the spring, late uh-huh. March, April, May. If you do it after then or before then, it's not as effective. But in the springtime, they've got this systemic insecticide you mix with water, Pour it on the ground, it's absorbed in the roots, and whatever bites the plant is going to die. Unfortunately, that okay. means, unfortunately, it also means honeybees and anything else. It's a, it's a neonicotinoid, which has been oh, banned yeah. in Europe. It's a terrible product, but it will control them for a year or two if you put it huh. on the ground in the spring. Okay, well, I don't have any problem with my crepe myrtles, and hopefully I won't, but. I had remembered about that and wondered how things were going. Every year I see more of it. Uh, One of my little Mm -hmm. ones, I had one in a pot. um, I'd had it this year. I pulled it up and threw it away. But I've got Mm -hmm. big, beautiful crepe myrtles in my garden. My son's got it on his tree. He and he, my oh. son and his wife, both lawyers and they're going to be the parents of my first grandchild. If there was anything I could do for their crepe myrtle, I would do it. And other mm-hmm. than you using this powerful neonicotinoid, which garden centers sell, they'll mm-hmm. say spray it or brush it. And no, no. Soaking yeah. it in the spring is the only control. Okay. Sorry. I appreciate it. Okay, good Thank luck you. on it. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty. I feel terrible about that kind of stuff, you know. But we have some insects and diseases that get on plants. There's a, a virus called rosette that gets on roses. There's a uh, a rust that gets on daylilies, fancy daylilies. There's uh, yeah, we just have we have insects and diseases that get on plants that aren't from here. And the diseases and insects, when they get here, they don't have any natural controls. And it's a terrible one. I don't have a problem recommend pesticide treatments if it's effective and it's safe. Um, I'm not so sure about this particular one. I'm not so sure about it. Matter of fact, a lot of people say no. But anyway, crepe myrtle bark scale, if you're not sure, look at your trees. If they're black, they got the sticky stuff, and not just on the leaves, but also on the trunks and the twigs. If you see little, small, white bumps that, that rub off real easy, that's the bark scale. New insect. Hard to control. Sorry about that. Not trying to bring, bring bad news. Please, somebody call up and ask me something cheerful. Well, Felder, since I um uh, had the email pulled up already, I do have a quick question. And, yes. But I don't know how to say this. Is is L O Q U A T? Loquat. Loquat. Okay. Yeah. So, good morning, Felder. I gave my husband a loquat tree for his thirtieth birthday in April. We kept it outside in a pot for a few months and planted it in the yard with some manure once it was about four or about five feet tall. Um, okay. Well, we put <laughs> with some manure, we planted it in the yard with some manure once it was about five feet tall. Any suggestions for us as to caring for it now? 
Um, thank you, and as always, appreciate your show. Uh, MPB is the best uh, from Catherine. Did she say where she lives? No, she didn't okay. say. Yeah, that's okay. Lo- Loquat is an interesting landscape plant. They get, they're not big trees, but they're much, much bigger than big shrubs. They're small to medium trees. Uh, Real pretty leaves, sort of silvery, furry-looking leaves, Uh, interesting flowers, and they make fruit, little yellow fruits that ripen in the wintertime. You know, uh, they flower in the the winter, and in the, the late spring, they'll have these edible fruits if we don't get a hard freeze. Down on the coast is not a problem. Central Mississippi, sometimes a problem. North Mississippi, usually a problem. A late frost will kill the flowers. And, but other than that, it's just a good-looking plant. It gets pretty big, though. And uh, the thing I would suggest, first of all, put something near the trunk, a brick, some monkey grass, whatever, to keep the lawnmower off the trunk. The string trimmer or lawnmower, quickest way to kill this plant. It's also pretty drought tolerant, so don't keep it wet. You know, once you when once we get into fall, uh, it should it should do fine. You know, once you get it through the first summer, so don't 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 wet it to death. And let me see. And if it's, if you don't have room for it to get big, sometime the next month or two, I would move it because still time to move it to a place where kind of a protected place, maybe up against a a wall or something, so you can get some size and protected from the cold winter wind. But other than that, it's just a big old small tree, uh, big old small tree. Can I say that? I think that's like the, one of the best tips to tell someone when they are, you know, new to a plant or something mm-hmm. is don't water it so much. Because I think ever since like we were little children, we were told, here's a plant, water it, yeah. you know, so it can grow. Yeah. But then when you get to the different plants, it different, you know, different uh, ranges. Yeah. Some plants like a lot of water. Some of them need a lot of water. But. In our kind of soils, in our kind of rainfall in the winter and spring, they get so much water that they end up having real shallow roots. And because they can't breathe down deep or they rot down deep, and then summertime is real, real hot and dry, and they don't have any water. So you might need to water it a time or two through the summertime. But I, I put out a big Japanese maple, pretty Japanese maple. A friend of mine grew it. It's about seven feet tall or about six feet wide. I thinned it out a little bit, but I planted it this past spring, and I paid a little, a good little chunk of change for it because it's a pretty plant. I could have watered it every day because I was out there messing around with my flowers and vegetable stuff. I think I watered it a total of seven or eight times over the first summer. A total of six or seven times. And that's a big plant the first year. Could have watered it more than that, but didn't want to kill it. Anyway, folks, we've got a, a new Mississippi state flag. It's got a magnolia, the, one of the most, the largest flower in North America, the magnolia state. I'm so pleased with this, so appreciated of all those who supported this. Um, we got our fingers crossed no matter which way you go. On the other stuff on the ballot, fingers crossed. We'll wait and see. We'll get along. We'll work through it, folks. But meanwhile, we're going to talk about gardening every Friday here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Rebroadcast on Saturday. Shoot me an email during the week, garden at mpbonline.org. If you get a chance, if you got some kids or neighbor kids, or if not, just you, go to a garden center, go to a farmer's market, and show everybody how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. 